Um, this morning, I, I want to talk to you from Mark chapter 11. If you'd turn in your Bibles there, I know that uh, some of you thought I misspoke. Uh, we've been in the book of Matthew, but I wanted to take this time to talk about uh, the triumphal entry into uh, the city. Uh, Jesus came, and it's uh, what uh, church's calendar, they've celebrated this for uh, really since he uh, ascended, and they remembered the time where he came into the city, and uh, we are going to do that this morning. Um, so if you could turn to Mark chapter 11. I want to tell you that uh, we have a something starting in a couple of weeks that I want to encourage you men to be a part of. Uh, we've had the Father's Bible study for a while now, but it's changing. It's changing. It's changing to just one Bible study in the morning at 6 o'clock in the morning. And it's uh, a Father's Bible study, but it's a future Father's Bible study. And so if uh, you have a young man in your household that's in middle school or above, uh, we'd love for you to come with your sons, uh, with your grandsons if you got them, and we're going to talk about what it means to prepare. Uh, I think that w- one of the things that's interesting about being a parent, I was sharing with uh, someone even yesterday, we were talking, uh, there's really, it's one of those things that catches you off guard. One day you wake up and you're a, you're a father or a mother and you say, how did I get here? Uh, what am I supposed to do? I feel so ill-prepared. And so we want to uh, fix all that in just six to eight short weeks. We're going to fix all that for men. We're going to full, they'll be fully trained, ready to go in seventh grade. Um, you know, uh, but no, uh, we, we want to get a start at it. We want to get start thinking that way um, instead of waiting until uh, we wake up one day and we have children and we're going, what am I doing? What am I, how am I going to be a godly man? And so I'd encourage you men uh, to drag your kids out of bed. I'd encourage you kids to drag your father out of bed and and come. Uh, It'll be a sweet time over at Primo's. Uh, God's Word. Uh, We look at uh, who Christ is and what happened. If you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to uh, read to you from Mark chapter 11. God's Word says this, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage, And Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and we'll send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt, tied at a door outside the street. And they said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they said to them, Jesus has said, uh, and, and they told them what Jesus had said, and they let him go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple 
And when he looked around at everything, as it had already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. God, I ask your blessing on your word. I ask that as we consider uh, your son Jesus as he entered the city, Lord, help us to sort out where we stand with you. God, may we uh, make right proclamations, but may our lives also be dedicated to you as well. Consecrated to you. And God, thank you for this morning. Glorify yourself in our time. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Go my first point here, parade preparation. Uh, how many of you enjoy parades? Enjoy parades. Um, I, I grew up in Santa Barbara, as many of you know, and uh, I'm not sure exactly all the history of it, but uh, once a year, fiesta happens in uh, Santa Barbara, old Spanish days. And being German, I definitely celebrated uh, old Spanish days. And we would sometimes go to the parade, and uh, as kids, you know, kids, what's great about a parade? And you're thinking, some of you are thinking deeply about it, and you're going, well, I like the horses that kind of walk. I like the, the dancing girls with their fancy dresses, and I like a band where they're marching and playing. But kids, what's the best part about the parade, parade like that? Are you thinking? The people that throw the candy, Right. Oh, man, that's great. And then, you know, there's this half a cent piece of candy and kids are fighting over it. It's just great. You're excited. You're hoping that they'll throw candy to you. And it's this exciting thing. And uh, parades always have some kind of uh, purpose to them. There's some kind of reason. There's something to celebrate. Even here in Bear Valley Springs, uh, July 4th is coming and uh, boy, now, if you want to talk about big parades, now that's a big deal. You can dress up your dog and walk out there if you'd like, or dress up your kid and put them on a leash and walk them out there. I don't know. Uh, you can do all kinds of things. But um, there's some reason to have a parade. And this morning, as we look at Mark chapter 11, we're going to see a reason to have a parade. And it's this interesting thing. And as you look at the Gospels, know this. It didn't just happen. Nothing just happened. It's the the Father and the Son, Holy Spirit, were working out the plan of the Father down here on earth. And it was going according to plan. There was a reason for all these things happening. And so you get this, the, the first part of this parade preparation, Jesus sends two disciples. Um... I find it interesting that he sent two disciples. Uh, he said, you and you, go. Uh, why do you think he sent two? We, we don't know. He doesn't say. But I, I see this throughout the New Testament, that partnership is the plan. Don't do anything alone. Don't do anything alone. Those of you who wear the T-shirt, and I probably should wear the T-shirt that says, doesn't play well with others. Um, you need to get over that. You need to get over that. You need to realize that God intended us to work together. And you can imagine this errand that he sent them on. There's a bit of, uh, if they hadn't have trusted Jesus, it would have seemed like a fool's errand, right? Hey, go into the city, go into the city that's right over there, 
and you're going to see a colt, go take it. Just untie it and bring it to me. And if anybody asks, just tell them the Lord has need of it. And, and they're going, I don't think this, this doesn't seem right. You know, if it were anybody other than Jesus telling me this, I probably wouldn't do it. But I just, I'm nervous, you know. And, and you, you can imagine the conversation as they went. Did he really say take the colt? Did he, did, like, what if there's no cult there? What, you know, they're, they're probably hashing these things over. But he sends two of them. And I want to encourage you, uh, from the book of Ecclesiastes, it says two are better than one. <laughs> two are better than one. And the idea of having that encouragement, um, it, sometimes uh, two are not better than one. If you both are ungodly, uh, you can come up with more ungodliness together. But if, Two of you are seeking to follow after Christ. Guess what? When one starts to weaken, the other one says, No, this is what the Lord told us. Let's go. Let's do this. Two are better than one. So he sends two disciples. Um, and he, he says that they're going to look for a specific uh, cult. Or, and, and you look at this and you read this and there's so much that I, I want to know and we're, we're left to wonder a little bit. But he says, as you go in there, you'll find a colt on which no one has ever sat. No one has ever sat. Now, um, l- let me ask you a question. What, what pictures come up to your mind of a colt that's never been sat upon? <laughs> Wild, right? It is, uh, it is untrained. Uh, most of us don't have a clue of what that is, myself included. Uh, but when you think of an untrained dog, what do you think of? Uh, he's ripping, tearing things. He's jumping up on people. He's, uh, you know, some of you, it, this is a little too personal, right? You have one of these at home. Uh, I have one of these at home. Uh, or not to just go from dogs, but an untrained child. What are they like? A lot like the dog, right? Uh, sorry, kids. I didn't mean to say that you're dogs. You're not dogs. You're, you're great. But, but there's training involved. There, there, and for a horse, colt, donkey, anything, there's a sense where you have to uh, break it. it. It has to get used to the idea that uh, one would sit on it. And so you have this picture here. It's very, very interesting. You have this colt that's untrained, untrained, and it's never been used for anything at all. Uh, even as Zach led us in the song, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. You know what I think? I think this cult was at a special purpose, that it wasn't meant to be used for anything else, anything else other than Jesus. And so he, uh, he sends him out to find this cult that had never been sat on before, and uh, as they go, um, it's interesting, too, that he sent them out for this colt. We don't have a real picture of whether it's a young donkey or what kind of, but it's insignificant. It's not, uh, he didn't go and he said, you'll go into town and you'll see this magnificent white stallion and bring that to me because I want everyone to know that I am the conquering king. But rather he, he picks something 
uh, meek and gentle, something that's insignificant and even maybe common. And he says, uh, that's going to be my vehicle. That's going to be the one where I'm going to ride into the city. As he does this, we realize, and there's this great word, commandeering. I love it. It's a picture, and I remember watching TV sometimes when I was a kid, and I especially liked the police shows, and I really loved it when they were chasing a bad guy, and all of a sudden, they they don't have their vehicle or something like that, and they just stop a car, and they open the door, and they say, police, and they pull them out, and they grab their car, and they take off chasing the bad guy, commandeering, Right? That's what they're doing. They're taking something because they have need of it. And, and Jesus does this. You, you don't, we don't know about this cult, what, what its purpose was, what the owner thought of it. It was just sitting there. It was, it was standing there. It was tied up. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, I need that one right there. I need that one. So my question is, and I don't believe this is the point of the passage, but it makes me think, what if that were my cult? What would I do? If someone, two guys came up to my house and they said, Hey, um, uh, you know your car over there? I, I need the keys. What are you doing? What are you doing? The Lord has need of your car. The Lord has need of your car. My fear is that I would say, I'm not giving up my car to the Lord. He can find somebody else's car. It's my car. I, I you, you know, I, this is my special car. You know how many payments I have on that thing? You know, I just vacuumed it. These smelly disciples are going to, you know, they, they always have to wash their feet and they don't do it very often. I'm not letting them get in my car. You, you think about this, and I, I look at this and I go, boy. This is just an interesting thing that in the in the midst of life, this guy has this colt, and Jesus comes and says, "I'm taking that one." What what, what happens if it's your car? What, what happens if it's your computer? What happens if it's your tractor? You have a tractor. That's pretty cool. Lord has need of your tractor. Can he take somebody else's tractor? Kids, what if it's your baseball bat? Your special baseball bat. What if it's your trailer? What if it's your bank account? The Lord has need of it. I look at this and I think of another story that I love in the scriptures, the boil of loaves and the fishes. Lord did it again, right? He says, what do we got here? I'll take this, I'll take this lunch. I want you to get the picture in your mind for the moments that came after the, the commandeering of the cult. Uh, I'm guessing, I don't know this for certain, <clears throat> that the owner of the cult saw what happened. And, and how did he feel? Jesus is riding my cult. Look at that. <laughs> look, I, I don't know what I was, but look at this. The king is riding my cult. <laughs> I want to tell you that uh, that's what it is to give the Lord your stuff. It's not really your stuff anyways, but to give the Lord your stuff, it'll bring significance to the junk that we have down here.
It'll bring purpose to the things we've wasted a bunch of money on. To give the Lord stuff. And when, when he comes, and when we see a need that we could fill it and we say, the Lord had need of my junk and I love it. So the parade preparation had gone on. Uh, Jesus had sent these two disciples. They bring back this colt. This owner is left there to, I I don't know, I'm fascinated by that. But now they bring him back to Jesus. And, And kids, we look at this and the parade's about to begin. They found the colt and the door outside in the street and they untied it uh, and they brought it. What are you doing? They untying the colt and, and they, they told them what Jesus had said and he let them go. In verse 7 it says this, And they brought the colt to Jesus and they threw their cloaks on it, their garments or their jackets if you will, and he sat on it. What they were doing is uh, similar to what the man with the colt uh, was doing. They saw that Jesus, they, they go, Jesus can't sit right here. He's, he's special. And so they said, let him, let him take my jacket. Let him take my shirt, if you will. And, and sit, sit, on, sit on my shirt. And I, I, I'm looking at this and I, I'm going, they're understanding who Jesus is. They're pointing to him as the king is going to ride on this colt and it's going to be this big parade. He needs something to sit on. Use my coat. Use my coat. And so the disciples made sure of this. And there seems to be some connection that the disciples did this. And then you you see this happening. Look down at verse 8. And many spread their cloaks... On the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And what you get here is this: that that they're. I don't know if they're watching the disciples. They see Jesus coming. Somebody says, "Hey, this is the King. We should make like a red carpet, if you will. Uh, we should throw stuff down. What do we? Ha- let's let's put our uh, jackets down. There's not enough." Just start tearing stuff out of the fields. Bring it down here. We need to, uh, this is an impromptu parade, right? We need to make this happen now. We need to do something special. Make straight the Make it special for Jesus. Because he's a king. So they, I was thinking we should do this this morning, but I didn't think it would be good for taking off your shirts and throwing them in the aisle here and stuff like that. I thought that would be inappropriate, kids, at church. The pastor, you need to think these things through sometimes, okay? Um, but but you get this picture that they're going, we need to do something special. We need to do it now. I, w- I want to tell you that um, I-, I love the exuberance of, of this. I-, I love the excitement of this parade. I-, I love the idea that they're throwing down their jackets. I know how uh, we would probably respond Oh, go get my old jacket. You know, I, you know, don't touch that plant. That's a special plant. You know, we, we you know, it shouldn't be pruned that way. You know, uh, we, we need to get something else. Well, let, give us a few moments. We'll get something. We'll go to the store and we'll get something. It's the idea of in a moment saying, yes, yes, we will worship. I want to tell you that, uh, that Jesus is worthy to worship 
and inconvenient times at higher costs than we want to pay. I want to tell you that. I want to tell you that that's good for us to just hop to and say, yes, I'm excited that Jesus is here. I'm excited that he wants me. I'm excited to be a part of this. So you have uh, them throwing down their garments and these uh, branches. And I don't think they were oak branches, Tom. I'm positive of it. You know, that, that wouldn't have been very nice to walk on. You know, kind of pokey. Um, it reminds me of this. And, and I, I, I can't get away from the connection to this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, if you want to turn there, a pretty interesting passage when it comes to connecting with this triumphal entry because Jesus, what's happening here is this. He's coming coming into the city as a conquering king. It's, it's a regime change, if you will. It's the idea of the conquering king coming into the city. And those are excited about it. They're seeing it. And you can imagine what it would be like to be a, under an oppressive king. A king that wasn't working. A king that was... Uh, taking too much out of you, giving a bad life, and then you get taken over. And there's a new king. And the king is coming. He's coming into the town. You can imagine the excitement. Well, look at this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning at verse 14, this is what Paul said, describing his own uh, both conversion and now his ministry. He says this, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance of death to death and to others, other, the other, a fragrance from life to life. And I want to explain that to you. This is what happens. When there's a regime change, uh, it, all, it matters your relationship to this new king. If you liked the old regime, you're sad. You're sad because all of life as you have known it is done. It's over with. But if you realize the oppression of the past, you realize of the bad days of the past, now you understand, now you're excited and you say, this is awesome. We've got a new king. And I want to tell you that this is what I believe the picture is as Jesus went into the city. That, that because of what God's plan worked out in his son, it's that there's a parade going on. There's a parade going on. And as we are included in the Lord's plan, we get to be part of the parade. We get to be part of the celebration. You turn back to Mark chapter 11. Um, I forgot to point out one thing. That Jesus sat on the colt. Jesus sat on the colt. Um, I used to love watching where they tried to train uh, uh, horses and colts. Have you ever seen that? Uh, Jesus was the the first 
uh, horse whisperer or whatever they call it. He said, Colt, this is what your purpose is in life. Just hold tight. I'll, I'll do the leading here. I'm going to hop on you and everyone's going to be amazed. You look at this and you see this exciting parade, this triumphal procession where the new king is coming through town. And I want to tell you, kids, you're super excited if you didn't like the old king, if you didn't like the old way of life, you're super excited that the new king is here. If you don't want to have anything to do with the new king, you're probably not that excited. And you'll see that in the week to come in his crucifixion, that some just went with the crowd, others were were there, but they were not excited that Jesus was coming as the new king. They were not happy he was there. Because it meant that their life, it was the aroma of death to death, as uh, 2 Corinthians 2 says. Well, this is what they were saying. Uh, They were saying the words that we have even sung this morning. As they had laid down their cloaks and they laid down these branches and this procession began, uh, it says this in verse 9, And those who went out before and those who had followed were shouting this, Hosanna! Hosanna. You look at this word Hosanna, it's pretty interesting. It's um, We do this all the time. So our word Hosanna, this is gonna, I'm going to teach you some amazing uh, linguistics here. Okay? Um, have, have you ever read a different language? You try to read, it has the same uh, characters and you read it and you try to sound it out and you just, you can sound it out because you did hooked on phonics and everything like that and you're able to, yeah, so, so you can sound it out and and you say, that's what it sounds like, okay? So Greek does not have the same alphabet as us. So when you would hear someone pronounce the word in Greek, it would be Hosanna. So the Greek word Hosanna, uh, that's where we get the word Hosanna, okay? But you know what they did in Greek? They did that same thing to the word in Hebrew, okay? So there's really not a Greek word Hosanna, it's just you know, the words, and it's a word from the Old Testament. It's used once. It's in the book of Psalms. And it's a a couple of words. It's a phrase, actually, that means save us or save now. Um, it's, It's a cry to God saying, God, please save us now. I'm in a mess. Uh, Can you relate? Uh, the, The prayer that says, God, I'm in a mess. Save, save me now. If you don't save me now, I'm going to still be in this mess. I'm going to be in a world of hurt. Save now. That's the word Hosanna. But over time, over time, and I love how this uh, kind of, this word evolved, is over time, it made, uh, it was a cry for help. It, it turned into this word Hosanna, which was used as Jesus was there. It was the idea that made, it was this proclamation of salvation, salvation, this excitement. It's no longer, it went from a cry to help, for help, to a cry of confidence. A cry of confidence. Salvation, an excitement. There's Jesus. Hosanna. I'm excited. He's the Savior. You look at this section that 
the words that they were crying. They were cries of the Old Testament that identified Jesus as the King, the Savior that they were waiting for. As they were crying this both before and behind him in this parade, they were saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest. As they were shouting these words, they were excited. They were happy. They were, uh, they were part of this triumphal celebration. That the new king had come. That this is the one they were waiting for. This was the one spoken of in the Old Testament. This was the one from the family or the line of David that was to come. Hosanna in the highest. This is the one from heaven. They were excited for the salvation of the Lord. They knew that they needed him. They knew, they knew that he was the one they needed. As we look at this, um, I just want to point out one, one thing and then we'll get to some application here this morning. Uh, I find it interesting that Jesus planned this. He planned this parade. Go get the colt. He planned it. And he also accepted their praises. There were other times where Jesus stopped them. There were other times where uh, he pushed it away. But this, he said, is appropriate. Why? Well, because he's the king. Because they had rightly identified him as the one. Now, just a few things for us to remember. Uh, and and I, I want to tell you that this uh, whole, we look at his entry into the city, the things that follow up, the things that come right after this don't exactly go this way, okay? Eventually, just in a few days, uh, from this time, he will be, there's, there's crowds again, but they're not shouting, Hosanna in the highest, Blessed is he who comes in the... They're not shouting that anymore. They're shouting crucify him. Okay? Be mindful of that. A few things to remember. First of all, this shouting, this parade, it was right. It was right. Have you ever been to something, a celebration, and you, you go, hey, we're celebrating uh, this... Uh, this great thing, we're celebrating this great person and you're kind of going, I'm just here because I have to be here. This person wasn't that great. There's nothing really to celebrate here. I'm just going out of duty. and You know, uh, I remember when I was in high school, uh, Mighty San Marcos High School. Right, Chris? Uh, Mighty Royals. Um, San Marcos High School, The year, my senior year of high school, we had two winning sports, but we still had pep rallies. And we talk about the greatness of our school, but our two uh, who had a winning record was golf and tennis, okay? We were a powerhouse. We were a powerhouse uh, in sports, okay? There's, there's times where there's nothing really to celebrate. I want to tell you, for this parade, for this shouting, this celebration, it was right. It was right. 
Jesus is the Savior. He is the Savior. And so there's reason to celebrate. Second thing I want to tell you is this. That when it comes for us personally, He's our only hope. He's our only hope. He's the only Savior. There's not anyone else for your salvation. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, many of you know this verse. It says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So it's right for us to praise Jesus as the Savior. But I want to tell you this. It's not just right. There's no other way. There's no other way. Your money won't get you there. Your, your great thoughts, your, your moral life. There's no other way to salvation except in the name of Jesus. No other way. And lastly, I want to talk to you about something very specific. Have you ever gotten caught up in a crowd? Have you ever been caught up and, and super excited and you didn't really know why? Uh, when, in 1984, uh, my family, we got to go to the Olympics in Los Angeles. And for people who grew up in Santa Barbara, that's going to the big city, okay? And it's pretty exciting, and we, we got to see a, a few different things. But one of the things that we went to was wrestling, and it was great. Like, I didn't know a lot about wrestling, but it was just great to see wrestling. It's just great. Like, wrestling's a great sport. Um, and so we're watching, and for the most part, the Olympics, you, you know, apart from those from the United States, you don't really know what's going on. And it's almost harder to follow when you're there because you don't get all the background stories and from the TV. But anyways, we're, so we're watching, and there's these three mats and everything like that, and there's different wrestlers coming through, and, you know, there's countries that we don't care about, and they're wrestling against each other, and we can't really tell what's going on. And so you're kind of picking, out, pick the guy in the yellow or something like that, and you're watching. And, um, so as the day goes on, the, there's one wrestler, I don't know who he was wrestling, but he was from Korea. He's from Korea, and he was wrestling somebody for some other place, you know, and, and all of a sudden, uh, I can see a contingent from Korea. There's, there's like maybe four or five of them, and probably his dad, actually, probably his dad. And he starts, he starts cheering, and he's just yelling. And so, so people around him are, he's, starting, he's chanting, Korea, you know, and, and he starts chanting. And so the people around him, they're like, eh, we're Americans. We don't care. We'll cheer. And they start cheering for this guy. And so he starts handing out little flags. And all of a sudden, there's, there's hundreds of people chanting, Korea. I thought we were in Korea for a minute there. And so we're excited. We're chanting Korea. We think it's funny. But, but this, this is kind of the event that they were at. And this is what I want to ask you just in closing this morning. When the dust settles, when the dust settles, when it's not exciting anymore, when it's not popular to follow after Jesus, when nobody else is chanting with you, I want to ask you, will you still cry, Hosanna? Will you still be the one to say, salvation, my Savior, my King? 
Because the dust will settle in your life. And, and it won't be as exciting. Your life won't be as exciting as that camp you went to. That, that experience that you had at your church. When the dust settles, will you still cry, Hosanna? Let's pray. God, I thank you for your plan for salvation in your son, Jesus. That it wasn't just a, a plan for next week, plan of the month, a year goal. But it was your plan of salvation. That you, uh, you were working this out, even we struggled to understand before the foundation of the world. And so we, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We're confused a little by the day of the, this parade that... It was exciting and people jumped too, but uh, a few days later, he was crucified. It's hard for us to grasp. God, may we not be so fickle. May we be clear in who we believe Jesus is. And may we cling to him as our only salvation. God, we thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. Remember a Good Friday service? It's on Friday. And uh, then we'll see you here with your family and friends for Easter next week. You're dismissed.